Welcome to Murder on Silk Road, where we take turns talking about either Asian or European true crime cases. I'm one of your co-hosts, Julia. And I'm the other person, co-host, Lena. <laughs> so um, every two weeks we cover a case, either European or Asian, and the weeks between that we do something called an in-between. So you get an episode every week. And during the in-betweens, we go over any topic we like. It can be related to the previous case or not. It's going to be a surprise. And so just a general warning, um, there are disturbing, dark themes that can trigger some people. And so please uh, listen at your own discretion. And I'm just going to go directly into it. Lena, we're at our first two-parter. What? Yeah. Wait, wait, what does that mean? So does this mean we don't have an in-between next week, but a part the two? The in-between is going to be a part two, basically. Okay, okay. That's fun. Because, yeah, I thought let's try something new. No, it was basically I researched this case and, I mean, as soon as you know, I think you'll have a bit of an idea but mm-hmm. there's just so many different theories and so okay. many like, conspiracies that I was like, okay, Ooh. I'm not going to cram it all into like one episode. So exciting. I'm just going to take the time we have. Okay, that's great because I did feel like like maybe the Nepal Nepalese royal massacre that I covered could have been a two-parter because we mm. were so <laughs> trained afterwards, but um, but that's cool. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm just going to open up this new realm of possibilities for us. Sounds good. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. So you want to know? I do want to (laughs) know. Yes, please. All right. So we talked about this briefly and I've been wanting to do this for a while. Okay. But I'm covering the case of Emanuela Orlandi. Oh, Oh, is it the Vatican one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't recognize her name, but but I know you said but an it, Italian But I think it's case, called Vatican so. Girl. Vatican Girl. Okay. I think it's called Vatican Ooh. Girl, the Netflix series, something like that. Okay. But yeah, so All right. that's who I'm talking about today. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, then let's get into it. Mm-hmm. So a bit of biography first. So Emanuela Orlandi was born in Rome on the 14th of January in 1968. Um, Her parents are Ercole uh, and Maria Pezzano. Mm -hmm. And Ercole, I I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it sounded like, or from what I read, it's like the Italian version of Hercules. Okay. And he, right? I I Mm. kind of yeah, Ercole. I don't know. But <laughs> he worked as a clerk of the prefecture of the papal household. So he worked okay. for the Pope or in like in the papal household, which is why uh, the family lives inside Vatican City. Okay. So Emanuela also has four siblings mm-hmm. and their names are Natalina, Pietro, Pietro. I can't, I can't say it. Pietro, Federica, and Maria Cristina. Okay. Yeah, they lived in Via San Egidio inside the Vatican. Mm-hmm. And we are in 
summer of 1983, and so in June of 1983, Emanuela had just finished her second year of high school at the Vittorio Emanuele Il Nacional boarding school. Ooh, okay. And yeah, I'm so, I really tried with the <laughs> like names. I hope yeah. I say them all correctly, but yeah. Emanuela, she was very musically talented. She had been attending the Tommaso Ludovico da Vittoria Music Academy for years. Mm -hmm. And this music academy is based in the Palazzo di Santa Polinare, which is in Rome, but like pretty reachable from Vatican City. So like for those who don't know, like Vatican City is inside like in rome mm. basically directly in rome the, um, i'm not sure if you know this or i'm, I'm asking but mm-hmm. i'm not sure if you know the answer like is there a border do you have to cross over to the vatican city from a specific entrance and they check your papers or do you just walk through like you know in the many european countries you can just go through and nobody checks anything because it's all the I forget the word for it, but there's that Eurozone thingy. You can just walk inside. Okay. Um, if you want to go into like certain attractions, like the Vatican Museum, like you need right, to buy right, tickets. Right. But there are basically these entry points. Mm-hmm. There's these like just diff- there's different entrances, basically. Mm. There's two of them. They're called Via della Con. Conciliazione and Viale Vaticano. Hmm. Is there like a wall around the city? Yeah, so the Vatican does have walls. Okay. um, But basically anyone can just stroll into the Pope's front yard, so to speak. (laughs) Uh, So basically anyone can just go to St. Peter's Square pretty much any time. So there's only like metal detectors between like... Right. The St. Peter's Square, but basically you can just walk in. Okay, so it's like if you have a visa for Italy, you automatically get one for the Vatican City? I suppose so. Okay, cool. But I mean, we don't need a visa. <laughs> we don't, no. <laughs> but I that's wonder how it was in the about... 80s, that's the thing, because that's now, right? Yeah, I think it was pretty similar. Okay. Because it seemed like... I mean, especially if you're, like, I mean, since it's its own, like, sovereign state, so mm-hmm. basically it's, like, its own country. So if you're a citizen of the of Vatican City, I think that's, like, a different thing entirely. Mm. You could probably just easily okay. come That's yeah, just come interesting, back. I guess. Um, yeah. Okay, so let me just try and remember the case facts so far. So we're in 1983. There's no case fact so far, really. <laughs> I mean, we're yeah. the, the year. We're in 1983. Yes. She just yes. finished high school. A second year. A second year. So how old second is she? Second year of high school. She is, um, I think that's, she'd be 16. 16. Okay. So do you know when she was born? So 14th of January, 1968. Yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. Yes. Please proceed. Okay. Right. So Emanuela, she was very musically talented and she had been attending the Tommaso Ludovico da Victoria Music Academy for years. And this music academy was based in the Palazzo di Santa Polinare. Mm -hmm. She took lessons in piano, flute, choral singing and solfeggio. 
and she is also part of the choir of the Church of Sant'Anna dei Palafrenieri in the Vatican. Okay, what was the last musical instrument you said? Solfeggio. Solfeggio. What's a solfeggio? It's basically a musical education method. Okay. So it's basically used to teach oral skills, pitch, and sight reading. Okay. So yeah, basically right. a a method of learning to yeah learning mm. to music. <laughs> okay. So basically, she was her whole life. It seems like is just filled with music. Yes. Mm. Yes. And so basically, in the summer of 1983, she attended music lessons three times a week. Um, because she had a recital on June 30th uh, to, that she had to prep for. So on Wednesday, the 22nd of June, 1983, Emanuela, she left the house between 4 and 4.30 p.m. to go to her music lessons mm -hmm. at the music school in uh, Piazza Santa Polinare. And before leaving the house, because it was super hot, I mean, summer in Italy and yeah. because she was late Emanuela asked her brother Pietro to accompany her or basically to like take her to music lessons but okay. he was like I'm busy I have something else going on so Emanuela was annoyed and went out like slamming the door and this would be the last time that her brother Pietro would see her <sighs> That's so upsetting. Mm -hmm. How how old is Pietro? I have I have no idea. Is I actually he older? Did not he... look that up at all. I guess he's older. Okay, he's older. And at this point, I want to see if I can share my screen mm -hmm. because I did wow. a thing. So basically, <laughs> I <laughs> so basically for those that obviously can't see and are just listening, I took a like part of google maps of like the vatican like where you can see vatican city and like parts of rome to sort of map a little bit like how close everything is like where did she go what was like the path from home to school and everything because can there I was a lot of different like street names and everything julia printed mm -hmm. this out and then wrote on it yes that's so german <laughs> You actually have I'm a printer at way. home? Yeah. Damn. And this is just so, so like kind of detective-y. I, I don't know, like just seeing this I printed out and then you drew it. out the line yeah. with a marker. Then you <laughs> wrote down the names. We got we to gotta post this exact thing on Instagram. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I needed to visualize it because there's mm. so many different names. There's like the, this piazza and that piazza and that palazzo and blah, Wait, so blah, blah. So it's just like, mean? is it like plaza? Yeah, piazza or palazzo are like plazas, yeah. Okay. All right, so let me just show you. So here you can kind of see the border. That's Vatican City. Oh, it's this so is, small. It's basically like a, park pretty much kind of yeah so it's 44 hectares which is 0.44 kilometers squared okay 
that's not very big. No. But I guess it just consists of the where the Pope lives and then this big garden. Basically, the Pope and, like, the different, like, cardinals, I mm -hmm. guess, and people that work for, like, the papal household. Okay, got it. Which is why Emanuela's family lived there, because her dad worked for the papal household. Mm -hmm. Can you still see the map? Yes, I can still okay. see it. Okay, very good. Because I am back to my notes, because mm -hmm. I need to, re like read those mm -hmm. but maybe you can kind of follow along with the map sounds good right so the music school is in piazza santa porinale which is like up here okay do you see that all right we'll probably make a picture properly on the um for instagram where we also mark down the locations maybe like numbered them well i mean yeah i mean they are like I did put them down, but see, it's basically... This is the Piazza San Napolinare. Okay. Where I'm I'm circling like crazy. Yes. <laughs> That's where the Piazza San Napolinare is. So this is where her family lives. And mm. this is where the music school is. Okay. So Emanuela left the Vatican from Porta Sant'Anna. And took the bus from Piazza Città Leonina. So basically, she like, there's a gate here. Went out there. And you can kind of see Piazza della Città Leonina. So that's where mm -hmm. she got on a bus. And okay. I don't know if this is the actual correct route, but roughly that way. So yeah. she basically got on a bus there and headed this way, like across the river. Yeah. She got off along the Corso Vittorio Emanuele II near the stop that's by the Basilica of Sant'Andrea della Valle. So okay. this is the Corso Vittorio Emanuele Emanuel II. And so that's the street name. This is where the... Yes. Mm. And this is where the Basilica is. So she got off around... Like the bus went along this... Corso, yes. and she got off somewhere by the Basilica. Yes. Basilica, um, is that like a spot? The Basilica, Basilica is like a huge, it's like a church. Church, okay. So she got off somewhere around here and then made her way up to the music school. Okay. Along. So she walked from the Basilica yeah. to the music school, or that was at least her intention. Yeah. Okay. Basically, so this... Right, so she got off by the Basilica and started making her way to the Piazza San Napolinare. And she walked along the Corso del Rinascimento, which is this, like, road right here. Mm -hmm. Where she was stopped by a man. And because of that, arrived at the music school 10 minutes late for her flute lesson. So okay. she had a flute lesson from 5 to 6 p.m. And mm -hmm. then a choral singing lesson from 6 to 7 p.m. So mm. apparently she left the singing lesson 10 minutes early and went to a payphone to call home. Her One of her sisters, so Federica, picked up and Emanuela told her that a man had stopped her on the way 
and offered her a job handing out flyers for a cosmetics company during a fashion show that would be held a few days from then. So a few days okay. later. So th- she said that this job, like this man had told her this job would pay her 375,000 lire, lire, I don't know, approximately 590 euros today. Wait, um, 590 euros? Sister- yes. For how long would she be handing out flyers? Just for, dur- like during the fashion show. That's a lot It's of bullshit. Money. It's bullshit yeah, is what it is. It's bullshit, yes. And obviously her sister advised her against accepting this proposal and suggested that uh, Emanuela just come home to talk about it with their parents. Mm. After the phone call with her sister, Emanuela waited for her classmates to leave the singing lesson. And together with two of them, um, their names are Rafaela Monzi and Maria Grazia Cassini, she reached the bus stop in Corso Rinascimento in front of the Senate. So the second Senate is like here. So mm-hmm. basically probably walked back a bit and went to a bus stop here that would take her basically. Okay. Not home because I read somewhere that she was going to meet people somewhere else. But I'll, I think I'll get to that in a bit okay and if not i'll get back to it so Mm. according to rafaela monzi emanuela like alluded to this job offer that she had received and told rafaela that she was undecided whether to go home immediately or wait for the man who made her this offer to tell her uh to tell him that she would ask her parents for permission first wait so so was the, the she spoke to the man who did Wait, what did you just say? Oh, she told no, her she, friend. She, she was undecided whether she should go home or whether she should wait for the man to say like, oh, I'm just going to talk this over with my parents first and get back okay. to you with my so decision. So the man basically. was already said, um, I'll be waiting here or something. <laughs> Is that what we assume? Doesn't, or we don't know. Doesn't seem like it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's very weird. Right. So... Around 7.30, so Maria Grazia and Rafaela got on the bus heading home, Mm -hmm. while Emanuela did not because apparently it was too crowded. Both Rafaela and Maria Grazia reported that after getting on the bus, they saw Emanuela from the bus window, still at the bus stop, talking to a girl with dark curly hair. And this was the last time that she was seen by those who knew her okay and i guess i'll just get back to this now mm-hmm. but there's one source that i read that said that she like she was supposed to meet up with some friends and her sister mm-hmm. like right around here by like the by castel santa angelo something like that so she was supposed to have gone, like, taken a bus, like, sort of across this bridge here, this way. Mm-hmm. But then I saw some that didn't mention that at all. But basically, they talked to this girl who may have been the, like, girl with the dark curly hair. And she said that they, like, walked in, like, this direction, like, basically back to the 
the Basilica to like get on the bus, even though, um, like which then like the family was like, or that's dumb. That can't be correct because she was supposed to like meet up with people here. Okay, okay. But I didn't include that because I I just heard that like I just read that the one time and was like okay. Maybe not. So I guess what's the most common story you heard then, or the common well, version? I just I I'll just leave it at her friends got on the bus by the mm-hmm. Senate, saw her talking to a girl. Yeah. And that was the last time anybody saw her. So okay. everything else is like they talked to someone who might have been this girl she was talking to, but maybe not. And if it was, like they didn't really identify like they didn't really give out her identity and then there's like different versions so i'm just gonna leave that out saying her friends got on the bus saw her talking to someone and that was the last time they saw her so all right then we're just gonna say as far as we know that's all that we can confirm with the bus being the last time they saw her okay so later that night not having his daughter come home. El Cole Olandi began with the, his son Pietro looking for her um, mm-hmm. at the music school and in the surrounding areas. They contacted the principal of the music school um, and the principal was nice enough to provide them with telephone numbers of some of Emanuela's classmates mm-hmm. but advised them to wait before they alerted the police. But Alcole, he, I mean, it's like, this is my daughter. She's missing. I'm not going to wait. So he immediately went to the Trevi police station in Piazza del Collegio Romano, which is basically like, Mm. well, because it's probably like, oh, she's a teenage girl. Like she'll show up. That whole thing. Okay. But so basically, it wasn't like he immediately he was he didn't yeah. say oh you I don't think you should go to the police yet or like I advise you not to go to the police but it's more like oh don't worry it's probably nothing you kind of like that I mean I don't know the exact words it just okay. like all I found was like was like maybe don't go to the police like right away but <laughs> still gave them the numbers of the classmates right. which is something at least okay but. He did everything right, like Ercole did everything right. He immediately went to the police mm. um, to report her disappearance, but the police mm. advised him to wait before filing a report <sighs> since she might have stopped out for dinner with friends or just and for just forgotten to call home. That is always so frustrating that they yeah. assume to know how the yeah. victim would behave or what kind of person they are like if the family says that's how they are and i just love some statistics like the cases where law enforcement says that oh just kids like they'll come Mm. home sooner or later they probably just went out forgot to and then like the actual number of cases where that's the case Mm. Like, I just like to know how often do they say that and how often is it actually true mm. that it was just kids being kids? Because yeah. I feel like the numbers speak against that excuse every time. 
I mean, with the true crime stories, of course, that's how it is. Every time it's, yeah, you know, not, it didn't just go out with friends. But I'm sure there are a lot that, you know, it is like that. But yeah, it would be interesting to know what the actual statistics are. And yeah, but I mean, like, if she's six, just 16 years old and she has this routine and she usually does this and she just spoke with her sister on the phone then why wouldn't she mention then that she was going to meet with some friends or, or something like that so and honestly if i was a sister and i got like i had this phone call with my younger sister where she was like yeah this like guy came up to me and offered me money for this thing and you're like no just please like come home talk about it with like mom and dad mm-hmm. and then my sister like disappeared yeah I'd immediately be, like, sort of connecting it in my head. That's true. That's true, yeah. No, it's just... Because what are the chances of this weird thing and then this other weird thing happening at the same time? Mm. Exactly, yeah. So the missing persons report was formalized the following morning, so on the 23rd of June, mm-hmm. by... Emanuela's sister, Natalina, which I think she's the oldest sibling, but I'm not mm-hmm. too sure. And then the day after that, so the 24th, uh, multiple Roman newspapers published both the news of the disappearance and a photograph of Emanuela with the family's mm-hmm. request for help and their phone numbers, which I'm just going to say I wish they hadn't done that because <laughs> yeah. I feel like... I feel like you'll, you'll, I'll get back to that. I'll just keep talking and then maybe, yeah. Yeah. So was Emanuela talking. the youngest of the siblings? I She might have been, but I honestly don't know. Right. So a day after the newspapers published the news of the disappearance and the family's request for help with the, along with the phone numbers, mm. after a series of unreliable phone calls, the Orlandis received a call from a young man who said his name was Pierluigi, who said that together with his girlfriend, he had met two girls in Campo de Fiori, one of who was selling cosmetics, mm-hmm. had a flute with her and said her name was Barbara. Okay. Which is interesting. Pierluigi also reported that this Barbara, when asked to play the flute, refused to do so uh, since she would have to put on her prescription glasses, which she really did not like to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, and three hours after the first call, Pierluigi called back and added that Barbara's glasses were drop-shaped to correct astigmatism but refused to meet with Emanuela's family or to put them in contact with his girlfriend, claiming that his girlfriend was distracted and unreliable. What? <laughs> Which is a great way to talk about your girlfriend. That's insane. Okay, so I'm assuming this description matches Emanuela or the family wouldn't, you know, be interested? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these calls appear to be reliable to them since... In fact, uh, Emanuela, she was astigmatic and she was ashamed of wearing glasses okay. and she played the flute. What does astigmatic mean? 
Um, I think that's like, you know, the German Hornhautverkrümmung. I can kind of just imagine kind of what it is because it's really descriptive. But so what your, your, what is that called? Like the, the layer of cells over your eyes mm. falls apart or like is weak or something? So basically it's that a part of your eye, so it's usually mm. either the cornea or the lens, okay. is more curved than it should be. And it makes like this sort of altered eye shape makes your vision blurry. So, you know, um, I mean, you're also a um, glasses wearer. Yes. You know, when you look at like lights, especially mm -hmm. sort of when it's dark, like all the like, um, yeah, like yeah, yeah. car lights or whatever, and it kind of like radiates outward. Mm. It has these like stripes of the light that radiate outward. Yeah. That's basically astigmatism. Oh, okay. Like okay. that's not how normal people see it. <laughs> Wait, that's what's that called in German? Hornhaut. In Chinese, it's super easy to understand. It's just called lights diffusing, pretty much, or diffusing lights. <laughs> that's way simpler. <laughs> it's way, simpler. way to explain it. <laughs> yeah, sangguang. But anyway, so she has that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I wonder why she needs Which that for playing the flute. If she just, I guess if she's reading the notes from far away, perhaps. Well, I mean, maybe it wasn't just astigmatism. Maybe she was also farsighted or nearsighted. Who knows? But mm, okay. Okay. But basically, the family found these calls to be reliable because these points of information mm. matched Emanuela's description. Okay. Another day after that, so June 26th. Mm. During another call that was answered by Emanuela's uncle, mm -hmm. Pia Luigi added some information about himself, which I find kind of weird, but okay, whatever. This, just saying this Pia Luigi guy is extremely suspicious to me. Yeah. This is it's, very weird. It sounds it's so random somehow. Because so he said that he was 16 years old. Yeah. And that he was with his parents in a seaside restaurant on that, like that day he was calling. He also said that this Barbara, presumed Emanuela, mm -hmm. would play the flute at his sister's wedding in September. But refused like, to help track down Emanuela or to meet Emanuela's uncle in person. Okay. And, and further, like when asked for a meeting in like Vatican City mm -hmm. so at home at the Orlandi family home Pierluigi was surprised by like asking if the man or like the if um Emanuela's father was a priest wait wait, wait what I so this that. is so basically I mean this is kind of this doesn't really make any sense um because there's like without this next piece of information. Okay. Because investigators into the case um, were able to find out that among Emanuela's friends, there was actually a boy named Pierluigi, mm -hmm. who in those days was at a seaside resort. Okay. But he was considered unrelated to the facts because the Pierluigi in question also lived in the Vatican. Mm-hmm like the Orlandis and was a citizen. And so he could not have not known that the Orlandis were Vatican citizens. So there is no way that he would have asked if um, the uncle 
was a priest because he would have known that. So you would have known that both the uncle and the dad as well was also a priest? No, I think it was just the uncle. The uncle. So the real Pierluigi knows the uncle is a priest? Isn't. Like, he would know whether or not he was. Okay. Wait, so the, wait, the, is the uncle a priest or not? No. Okay, <laughs> okay. That part is that part is irrelevant. It's just that because um, the uncle who was talking to Pierluigi in this one phone call said, like, come talk to us, like, um, in the Vatican. And mm -hmm. the caller was like, oh, are you a priest? Okay, okay. Right. Just because of the location. Right, right, right. So they were able to ascertain, like, okay, this friend of Emanuela's, Pierluigi, has nothing mm. to do with this caller who's saying his name is Pierluigi because mm. these are facts that, like, he would have known having, like, also living in the Vatican. Right. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So on June 28th, mm -hmm. so at this point, we are on the... So we're six days after... Emanuela's disappearance. Okay. Um, a certain Mario, who <laughs> was a self-styled owner of a bar, it's sort of in the center of Rome, mm -hmm. called the Orlandis. He also claimed to have seen um, a man with two girls selling cosmetics. Mm-hmm. One of whom said she was from Venice and called Barbarella, mm -hmm. which is interesting to me because it's so like close to the Barbara like yeah. that Pia Luigi was talking about, yeah. but also different enough that it's kind of weird. But I can, I think that could be you know a misremembering sort of thing, maybe because when you hear but someone's name was... just one time. You might hear yeah, it as something Yeah, but Barbara else. or Barbarella, I don't know. I don't know, but maybe if they're saying something else, like in a sentence, blah, blah, my name is Barbara, blah, 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 I feel like I can imagine Italian speaking really quickly and sort of in a flow, so I don't know. Yeah, but, <laughs> but can we just... it just also doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yes? Can we just, can we just what? address the elephant in the room? Um... What? What's the, what's the, <laughs> the elephant in the room? Like I, yeah, that the callers are Mario and Luigi. Oh my god, I didn't even realize really? just, until you just said it. <laughs> I was like, Julia's being really calm about this. Like she's not, you know, even. <laughs> or would you call it like? I didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> I seriously did so not calmly. notice. <laughs> okay. Now I won't be able to look at this any other way. Jeez, okay. But it's easy to remember. So we have suspicious Luigi and now the bar owner and Mario. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it's interesting. Did Super Mario Bros. even exist in 1968? Wasn't this 80-something? 1983, sorry. Yeah, I think so. She was born in 68. Let me check. Okay, you, you check that. 
because I went to a retro gaming night the other day. Oh, no, 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 never mind. 85. Like, I knew it was in the 80s, but... Okay. Well, almost then. Almost, yeah. So it wasn't like an on-the-nose, like, fake name sort of situation? Like, because imagine if, for example, these are like like just random fake callers mm. and they're like okay i'm gonna give a fake name and the games <laughs> just... just came out and they're like okay we're gonna go with mario and luigi yeah but if it's before <laughs> then then it doesn't no 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 matter. and i mean i think it first came out in 85 in japan i'm not sure when it was even introduced in oh, well italy then. but maybe the creators of mario and luigi read the news about this and took inspiration from the names wild guess but anyway i think it's just coincidence and we're just spending way too much time talking about this elephant now so what did mario well, still say but i didn't even see the elephant <laughs> you were like i see the elephant in the room and she was like elephant what elephant <laughs> yeah seriously i didn't notice because i laughed when you said I mario I was, just... I was i chuckled and you just sort of ignored yeah. that i was like huh could it be <laughs> or maybe she's just so used to it or because it, it's a serious case you know i think i was just so into like okay what's the timeline what are the facts yeah. that i didn't <laughs> even notice that yeah but anyway continuing continue there was a small detail during this mario phone call that was mm -hmm. significant because when he was asked the girl's height he hesitated as if he didn't know. Mm -hmm. And when Emanuela's uncle asked him if the girl he saw was approximately five feet tall or six feet tall, and the person on the phone was like hesitant. And so actually when asked this, on the other end of the phone, Emanuela's uncle in the background was able to hear like a second voice. So it seemed like there was a second man with him mm. and it's so that this second man had seen the girl, but Mario, so the caller, yeah. hadn't mm -hmm. or that maybe both of them had seen her or were like, okay, what do we like? How much do we say or whatever? Mm. Like, do we do we say this? Are we like, can we talk about this? It, it's basically weird. Why? Why would I mean? If this Mario had seen her, why would he hesitate? Mm -hmm. But also, when I like see someone, I'm not automatically like, oh, how like I don't analyze how tall they are. Yeah, I get it. It's like unless they're, you know, sort of a lot taller or shorter than average, you notice it. You think, oh, that person is really tall or really short. But other than yeah. that, you just kind of. I mean, I don't really think about it either. Yeah, because you know how when um, you're maybe like, or you you know how in like true crime sort of situations, if you mm -hmm. ask like, oh, how tall, like roughly how tall would you say the perpetrator was? Yeah. And I'm always like, I wouldn't have any idea because that wouldn't, like I'd be able to say tall or short, but yeah. I had this case or I had a similar sort of issue at work a while ago mm -hmm. because there's this guy who my co-worker found like she saw that he was suspicious and yeah. so basically was like hand over your bag mm -hmm. and so then she like took it from him and 
he'd been he'd been wanting to steal stuff mm-hmm. and then we were gonna like sort of give out a pers- uh, give out a description to like sort of other stores in the area mm-hmm. and since i had also seen the guy mm-hmm. um this other co-worker was like okay how would you describe him like roughly how tall was he and i was like i have no idea why do you expect <laughs> this from me i don't know yeah, did you guys, I, I mean, don't you have cameras? Might be able to, We do. you know, kind of judge the height from there. Maybe, but I mm. mean, it, and it, like, it wasn't that important because we got him before he actually, like, right, right, stole right. anything. But so how do you I know he was going to steal something? To ask. Well, I didn't, but my coworker saw that he was like shifty. Right. Like he had a suspicious attitude. Mm-hmm. And he spent a lot of time in this one aisle and like kept glancing at her like weirdly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that is very suspicious. Um yeah, yeah. I, I know I get it. It's, it's it's weird. And I think I'm also always super just impressed with people who remember cars because I'm so bad with cars as well and the different types you know when you mm-hmm. listen to American true crime podcasts they always say oh it wasn't so I have no idea what's the difference between an yeah. SUV sedan whatever all these little different I just know what a van is and a non-van and maybe a sports car yeah, basically <laughs> or truck it's a, yeah basically it's a it's a car a truck or like a van yeah exactly three types or a fancy fancy sports car or a super retro uh old timer but they don't yeah, use this word but in then English, it's like an old that's just german i don't think they use okay. the word old timer yeah it's just in german where they call old retro vintage cars old timers yeah but yeah huh somehow i thought that it would have been the case in english as well i think i mean took it I hope from I'm not. english but... <laughs> yeah i hope i'm not just saying nonsense but i think that is how it is but anyway yeah see that part is weird because i can't i feel like it's this like super subjective thing because like Mm -hmm. if i see someone like pretty much everybody's gonna be like taller than me Mm. so i don't have a good yeah judgment of how tall judgment of height Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and I can't I can't work with something like that everybody kind of notices differently. Mm. What I can remember, like I mm. can't the car thing I can't, mm. except maybe color, but even then I'm like, meh. But what I can remember is license plate numbers. Like numbers That's more useful. <laughs> rem- That's numbers is what I can remember. Something okay, like cool. uh this person was roughly this tall, so maybe like six foot whatever. But no, can't do it. Yeah, yeah. You stick to the license plates. And I'll yeah. try to remember the height. I mean, yeah, I can't really do heights either, but at least I can say taller than me or shorter than me. And then that's because I have a pretty average yeah. height for for men, I guess, in Asia. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, then we can be like, okay, shorter than you, like where in between your height and my height? Exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, we have to be in the same place first and witness some That's weird true. thing. And if you remember the license plate, we probably can't even see how tall the guy is. So, 
unless we saw someone like run and get into get in like, the car a yeah getaway vehicle yeah yeah <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Anyway, what was where were we again? Oh, the, the height. Mario again? and whoever yeah. was in the background describing Emanuela's height. Or trying and it's uncertain like did Mario actually see her? Did this mm -hmm. other man see her? Mm. Like what's the deal? Okay. All right. So then there was a second phone call from Mario and this he so there weird. explained that There's Barbara, which is wrong because Mario said it was Barbarella. So, hmm, confided uh, that this Barbara had confided to him that she had voluntarily left home because she was tired of the domestic routine, but that she intended to return at the end of the summer for her sister's wedding. And at this point, this wedding the family was like, yeah, this is impossible we and they like lost faith in these phone calls yeah yeah from mario and pierluigi <laughs> okay yes oh my gosh i mean that's really annoying uh, i mean i i'm sure you're still gonna tell me a lot more about you know what happens afterwards but just having these two mm. phone calls i feel like or these two people calling are potentially the same person and luigi was the one in the background but um Just saying that this takes away, if it's true, like if they really did see Emanuela or they're involved somehow, then it's really frustrating mm -hmm. that they're calling. But if they don't, if they're just random people who, for whatever reason, want to call this family with random info, that's still just so, I don't know, like, why would you do that? Yeah, know, and that's, that's why I said, like, I don't know how... attention or trolling. Yeah, sorry. That's why, like, if you, like, if you're like, oh, we need your help and, like, post your phone number, mm. then it invites stuff like that Yeah. in where, where it's like, is this trustworthy or, like, whether it might get sort of harassing or, like, mm -hmm. just really frustrating where it's just unhelpful yeah i mean i think nowadays no one would post their phone number like that online or just in the papers but back then in the 80s i guess they just you know they just thought oh any information or whoever's gonna call is probably gonna have information so here's our number so you can reach us directly and no one even really thought mm -hmm. about you know i guess it's a different world true mm. yeah well um, so in the days immediately following Emanuela's disappearance, Pietro and some friends were able to find out that a young woman described as looking similar to Emanuela, but it was never actually confirmed if it was her or not, had been noticed talking to a man by a an agent of the state police and by a traffic policeman um, that was on duty in front of the Senate. So basically close to where like the bus stop was that her friend saw her for the last time. Wait, she was talking to the police no. or the police saw her talking the, to a man? The police, like these two separate sort of Asians or policemen like noticed a girl that was similar in description to Emanuela mm -hmm. talking to a man. And the brother found out about this. Yeah. Okay. 
That's weird that the police didn't just yeah. tell the police about it. Well, I mean, who knows what the situation is with like different police departments within like Rome? Mm, like, I, I don't. Mean, I mean, I don't know how much sort of yeah. I guess I information like, there is. Plus, in the eighties, who knows? I feel like this case would have been really big, right? Everyone would know about it. And I can yes. see, I suppose, if this police officer just went home and told his family or her family, and then, mm. um, and then the family member might know a friend of the brother or something, and it passes through word of mouth. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and who knows how they actually f- figured this out, or like if they literally just talked to every policeman in the area where she was last yeah. seen. But basically, the policeman, um, this traffic policeman, he was questioned by the police once the investigation began. Mm-hmm. And he reported that the girl was in the company of a man that was approximately... There's the thing again with the height right. description, which is just how are you supposed to know that? But basically, this man was... Uh, like approximately 175 meters tall okay and that is that is around 5'8 5'8 eight. Eight something five eight? yeah because I just checked that's pretty much my height a bit taller than me so yeah 1.75 meters tall aged between 35 and 40 years old he was slim elegantly dressed with a long face was balding and was carrying a briefcase or a bag with him and who would have arrived driving a there's the thing with the cars again <laughs> driving a tundra green bmw touring damn okay that's very descriptive like the color okay but exactly what kind of car i mean i don't get it it depends if this BMW was a nice car, and I think people who like cars, they might recognize it, right? For us, because we don't know anything, so we don't recognize it. And now that I own yeah. a car, I know a few models that you know I have considered getting. So when I see those, mm-hmm. I know, okay, it was a blah, blah, blah. But everything else, of course, I don't know. But yeah, so I can yeah. see some and people. And I guess it was a traffic policeman, so maybe That's true. it, it was a traffic more police. <laughs> That's true. You might be really into cars. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's why he's a traffic policeman. Who knows? Yeah. So, at this point, Orlandi's family involved an SISDE, which is uh, the short for Servizio per le Informazioni e la Sicurezza Democratica. Okay. Which is the former (laughs) domestic intelligence agency of Italy. The former since one. been yes it's since been replaced by a an agency by a different name okay so they involved this intelligence agent whose mm-hmm. name was Giulio Gangi who was a friend of uh, Emanuela's cousins in the investigation okay. and he was able to track down the BMW of the man who had allegedly spoken to Emanuela. Right, okay. He, That's pretty in good. particular, was able to discover that the car had been repaired, despite having no, like, documentation of this. Uh-huh. Um, 
and by a mechanic from the Piazza Vescovio area, which is sort of northeast of Vatican City. Mm -hmm. The car would have been taken to the mechanic by apparently a blonde woman. And this, I think, is very interesting. The damage would like would have involved breaking of the glass of the front window. Um, but the breakage didn't appear to be caused like by a direct action, like by like from a theft or an accident from the outside in, mm. but rather from inside out. Okay. Mm-hmm. That I found very interesting. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't documented. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now I find this very interesting because there's a huge time skip. Shit, In... okay. <laughs> but I think we do go... Yeah, we no, this is just like a random skip, but we go back to 83. No worries. Wait, so we're jumping to the so, future for real quick. Okay. Yeah, it's just that in 2008, um, Ganji uh, made it known that he had tracked down this woman in question. Right, right, right. Um, okay. And she refused to collaborate. And upon his return to his office, mm-hmm. Ganji discovered that his superiors had been informed of his contact with her, mm-hmm. even though he had made contact with like a fake name and like cover documents. And in a car that was like that had disguised license plates. So it was like, how right. if I didn't tell anybody and didn't use like my real information, mm. do my superiors know that I had contact with her? Which is where did he work very at that question. time? Do you know? So it was the the intelligence agency. Oh, so he still worked for the intelligence agency. Or you mean in 2008? 2008, yeah. I don't know about 2008. I'm guessing if he was already like an adult at that point, he's probably, he might be retired in 2008. <laughs> Sorry, just the way you said he was an adult. Like it. Yeah, I mean, it he, he worked for an intelligence agency, so <laughs> right, right, I'm right, guessing right. he was. Yeah. At least 18. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a good assumption, I think. Oh, so I was also, I had a misunderstanding. So in 83, this intelligence agency was not form or something. It was just that at the time and now it's different? Exactly. Okay, okay. Now it's the former. Right. So at that time it was the intelligence. Then it was the, yes, yes. Okay, got it. So possibly he still worked for the same agency, just under, like the agency has a different name in 2008. So his superiors might have been intelligence agency bosses basically the only thing i think that's confusing you is that he came like he mentioned this information in 2008 but everything that happened happened, was in 83 right right, right. so he just said in 2008 yes back then i tracked down this woman Right. Okay. She refused to cooperate. And then I yeah. came back to the office and somehow my superiors knew. Okay. But he came out with this information in 2008. Right. Okay, got it. So all of this happened in the 80s when it, when he was investigating. Yeah, but it's just that this information came to light a lot later. later. Okay, got it. Which is 
also very interesting. I mean, yeah. We're not even getting into the conspiracy theories today, right? You said that would be for yes. the next episode. But it's already really brewing right now, so I'm gonna have to well, remember we're, all we're of this. Getting into like we're getting into like one bit of it, but there's okay. a lot of other angles to it. Right, right, right. Okay. Okay. So Sunday, July third, nineteen eighty three. So two weeks roughly after Emanuela's disappearance, mm-hmm. the Pope at the time, John Paul II, mm-hmm. made an appeal to those responsible for Emanuela's disappearance, making kidnapping a hypothesis official for the first time. Right. Um, I quote here, I would like to express the deep sympathy with which I am close to the Orlandi family, who is distressed by their 15-year-old daughter, Emanuela, who has not returned home since Wednesday, 22nd of June. I share the anxieties and anguish trepidation of the parents without losing hope in the sense of humanity of those responsible for this case, end quote. Hmm, okay. So does the Pope actually know Emanuela personally? Like, has he seen her in person before or spoken with her? Well, that part is a bit unclear. So, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? It doesn't seem like the Vatican is very big, and so yeah. you live there if you work sort of with the Pope or for the Pope mm-hmm. or for the papal household. So who knows how much contact there actually is? Yeah. But I feel like it would have been weird if the Pope hadn't said anything because this is of the daughter course, yeah. of somebody that works for him. Yeah, and it's not like many people live in the Vatican City, right? So yeah. He would have to address it. It would have okay. been weird if he hadn't. Yeah. Plus, I mean, at if this it point, became this big thing mm, as well, it yeah, would have yeah, been yeah. like kind of weird. No, for sure. It makes sense that he talked about it. And I think, I mean, you say it was the first time kidnapping was like officially a theory. Yeah. But at this point, it doesn't seem like she was a runaway, right? And... So if a body wasn't found, then, of course, their assumption would be kidnapping, or that's the only Mm. thing they can assume at this point? Well, yeah, I think maybe they were still... I think in the case of, like, a teen like this, maybe some people have some difficulties letting go of that possibility, like, Mm. oh, maybe she did just run away and we're looking for someone who doesn't want to be found. Mm-hmm. Especially with those like weird phone calls from the Super Mario Brothers, yeah, saying like, "Oh, she left of her own volition because she was like bored of the daily mm, sort of that's domestic suspicious, routines." Though. Yeah. Okay. But, well, all right. That's yeah. one way of looking at it. Yeah. So two days after the Pope made this statement a call came in to the vatican press office at the other end of the phone was a man who spoke with a strong anglo-saxon accent and he was for this reason immediately nicknamed l'americano so the american yeah by the press and this american claimed to be holding emanuela orlandi hostage 
claiming also that many other elements had already been provided by other members of this of his organization this Pierluigi and Mario and requested the activation of a direct phone line with the Vatican okay he, yeah it's it's weird because it's like the first time it's saying like somebody saying this Pierluigi and this Mario like these phone calls who until then weren't connected are somehow connected and then this third party is sort of saying it's all the same like organization okay I have a question so this yes these phone calls made by Pierluigi and Mario were they public knowledge then did the family you know, make it public. These people called us and said this. I can't say for sure, but I feel like with the way this was publicized in the media, especially with, like, the Vatican, like, making a statement, Mm -hmm. I feel like it would have been public knowledge. So it could have... Sort of... Because it, like, really blew up, right? So it would have kind of been, like, new lead in missing... Right, like right, right. girl mm. case yeah i mean i'm just asking because if it wasn't public knowledge right then of course this american call would be really you know legit if he knew about these other phone calls that were not public knowledge but if everyone mm. knew about it then this is just could be anyone <laughs> trying to just yeah troll i the can't family. say for certain mm. okay so l'americano called into question Mehmet Ali Adja, who had shot the Pope in St. Peter's Square a couple of years earlier Mm -hmm. and asked for an intervention from Pope John Paul II so that Ali Adja would be freed by July 20th. Now people hypothesize that those responsible for kidnapping Emanuela were members of the Grey Wolves, Mm -hmm. which is a Turkish nationalist, neo-fascist terrorist organization. Okay, so this organization tried to assassinate the Pope a while back, and the guy was yeah. caught, and yes, the American caller wanted that person to be freed in exchange yeah. for Emanuela. Yes. Okay. But it's so random that he would say, oh... Luigi and Mario were in our yeah. organization, even though they didn't mention anything about that. They were just like, yeah, seems exactly. like they were just trying to give information, even though it was very suspicious the way they did it. Okay. And also kind of like different information. And then, but those two, like Luigi and Mario were similar mm-hmm. enough. Mm. But then this third party coming in is saying something completely different. Mm-hmm. but claiming to be connected to the other two. Okay. Which it's just that part, like that connection doesn't make sense. The other yeah. two, like, yeah, maybe like two people separately like could have been like, hey, let's like harass these, this family or whatever. But yeah, this one is completely separate from that somehow. But he claims to be connected. Yeah. Okay, all right. So an hour after this call to the Vatican press office, the American called the Orlandi family at home 
mm-hmm. and played the parents a tape recording of the voice of a girl with Roman inflection, which may or may not have been Emanuela's, mm-hmm. who repeats a phrase several times, perhaps like taken from a longer recording. And it mm-hmm. was the recording said school Vittorio Emanuele Secundo National Boarding School. I should be doing my third year of high school this year, scientific. What? So very sort of taken out of context and very clearly like taken out of a like longer recording because okay, so what, what did she what does she say again? School. Vittorio Emanuele Secundo National Boarding School. I should be doing my third year of high school this year. Scientific. Okay. Well, the second, the Italian bit, can you just repeat that one more time? Or what is that in English? It's literally just the name of the boarding school. Oh, okay, okay. School, name of boarding school. I should be doing my third year of high school, scientific. Because it was a scientific high school. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of random. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like she was talking to someone about herself and they recorded that and then just cut it together somehow. But I, yeah. okay, so do you know what the parents think about this? Do they think it's her or not? They did think it was her. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I feel like in that case, wouldn't you believe anything is going to be like your daughter? Like if you're just wanting any sign. Yeah, I guess, but if the voice matches, right, that's the thing. Like, did you read anywhere that it says they were, oh my gosh, this is her voice, we know it, it's her voice. Or uh, it it kind of sounds like her, it could could be her. Not for this one, but... Okay. So on July 6th, Mm. the alleged kidnappers made an ANSA, which is the Agencia Nacional Estampa Asociata. So the, like, national, national like, press agency association, basically, mm. made this, like, reporter retrieve a yellow envelope in a from a bin in Parliament Square mm-hmm. that contained a photocopy of Emanuela's enrollment card at the music school. And the receipt okay. of a payment made to the school. The mm-hmm. photocopy also included a handwritten greeting um, that said, With much affection, your Emanuela, that the family recognized as her handwriting. Holy shit. Okay. So it's her, what's like school ID? Mm-hmm. And then a receipt. For only payment she could to have. the music school. Okay. Yeah, I mean, okay, well, in that case, that's definitely finally some evidence that she has been kidnapped. Mm. Or, I mean, maybe not even kidnapped, but whoever is sending this envelope or reaching out to Had the press. contact with her at some point, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has, they have things that only she could have. Okay. Mm-hmm. And is this the same group that wanted the terrorist freed? Yes. Okay. Uh, So two days after this envelope with the enrollment card was found, 
A man with a Middle Eastern inflection telephoned one of Emanuela's conservatory classmates, which I found weird initially, but hold on for a sec, saying Mm -hmm. that Emanuela was in their hands and that they had 20 days to make the exchange with Ali Aja and Mm -hmm. once like asking that a phone line be set up with Cardinal Secretary of State Agostino Casaroli. So the young woman, so the conservatory classmate that uh, stated that she and Emanuela had exchanged phone numbers on the day of her disappearance Mm -hmm. to keep in touch to prepare for a concert, Mm. uh, saying that Emanuela had written down her number on a piece of paper that she'd placed in the pocket of the pants that she was wearing. Right. So that was like, okay, so they have access to a scrap of paper with a phone number to this mm. girl that they called that they could have only gotten from Emanuela. Mm, 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 mm. I mean, it seems like they're seems like they're trying to make a point again to prove that they have her. Because Yeah. Yeah, if they just called the parents, that could be anyone because they the yeah. number is known, but this number can only be known by someone who has her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because that's such a, like, random connection. Yeah. That's so scary. You just think about it. Yeah. Imagine you're this girl who, like, gets called at home. And it's this yeah. person who probably kidnapped your classmate. Yeah. Yeah, and they have your number. But I feel like... Yeah, and they have your number. I'm not sure how the parents would feel like, because, you know, you you do always have the possibility of the worst happening and she's she's been murdered by someone, but now you have this hope that she can be exchanged. She's just a hostage. Then she could be mm-hmm. alive. And yeah, okay. Yeah, so Ali Aja who was at the time detained in an Italian prison, mm-hmm. was interrogated by the authorities and immediately condemned the girl's kidnapping, declaring that he was uninvolved and demonstrated support for Emanuela's family, the Italian state, and the Vatican, which is weird considering that he shot the Pope. Yeah. Wait, did he actually hit the pope or was it did he miss or he, i think he injured him but he like he okay. didn't kill him a failed assassination attempt yeah but okay. suddenly he's like i support the vatican <laughs> yeah uh, okay okay well now on the 17th of july 1983 following the instructions of the kidnappers an audio cassette, which just shows you how long ago this was. A mm. cassette. Wow. I mean, I so grew up cas- listening to cassettes. So did I, but... Yeah. <laughs> I think some people would not know what a cassette is. Yeah, they don't, but you're making, it, making us seem super old, too. <laughs> which well, I guess we are not super old, but... Yeah. Not the youngest anymore. We are getting, we are getting there. Yeah. <laughs> we are Slowly getting up there surely. in age. <laughs> so, in 
So a cassette was retrieved near the ANSA, so this like news agency association's headquarters. And in this cassette, the request for an exchange once again with Ali Aja was confirmed. Mm. And also the request for a direct telephone line with this Cardinal Cataroli. And on the cassette was also the voice of a girl under torture who begged for help, saying that she felt bad. Oh my god. Now, this tape was played to Emanuela's father and uncle, Mm. who both said that they recognized the girl's voice as Emanuela's. But Mm -hmm. a few days later, investigators reassured the family by saying that the voice on the tape had been from a pornographic film and was therefore definitely not Emanuela's. Okay. However. However, okay. Former DIGOS, which stands for Divisione Investigazioni Generali e Operazioni Speciali, which is the General Investigations and Special Operations Division. And in human language, that's? Basically, like, a special operations and, like, investigation division. Okay, so just just a dude. Okay, what did he say? So this former agent. Yeah. Antonio Asciore. Yeah. Who had first found and listened to the tape, declared mm-hmm. that the tape that was given to the Orlandi family and then published to the media was not the original one that he listened to. Ashiora said that in the original recording, there was not only the voice of a tortured girl, but Mm -hmm. also several male voices. Right. Also, according to him, the original recording was longer than the one that was published. Wait, why did they even publish this? Where did they publish this? To, like, the public. So, like, was this played on TV? Because I can't, it's not on the internet, right? So, no, definitely either they not played the it on the TV or the radio. Yeah. But why? Oh, my God. I mean, I can imagine. I don't know. I, I, I don't get it. It makes the press conference from last episode seem so harmless. <laughs> right. Okay, not last, but last, last episode, the Liangjie case. But, um. okay. Anyway, so, so. Yes. The one that they publicized mm-hmm. in the end the police claimed that was from a porn and not actually from the, like, you know, uh, not Emanuela. Yeah. So they basically send the media porn to publicize the case, knowing it was porn. (laughs) Well, okay, so the thing is... Yeah. This person, who was the one that found and originally listened to the tape, Mm. listened to what seems like one version of the tape Mm. that was also the one that was shown to Emanuela's family or basically basically I don't know if um the family also heard this like original one or the other one but basically this person who found it said that the one he listened to originally mm. and the one that was later on published mm. wasn't like weren't the same that they were okay. different that the one he listened to was longer that the one that he listened to had 
not just a, the voice of a girl, but also several male voices. Yeah. So what happened to the original one? Why did it change? And if it's from a porn, wouldn't we know which one it is? I suppose so. But so yeah. the presence of the male voices on the tape, they were actually supported by the transcription of the audio that was first made or first carried out by the investigators on the same day as the discovery of the tape. So this supported Ashiota's theory that the cassette that was given to the Orlandi family was fake or manipulated um, or a manipulated version of the original. Wait, I'm so confused now. <laughs> Wait, so the family got the manipulated version or not? Yes, they Is did it? get the, yeah. Okay, because earlier you said you were not sure which one they got. Yeah, no, but um, the way I had it written down before, like just now was confusing and so that I wasn't sure. But okay, okay. My notes later on say that they got the fake one, which makes sense. But So they got the fake one. Yeah, so they and that to just the porn version. So th that makes me think like they're so desperate for anything that comes up to be mm -hmm. like a sign that it's Emanuela. Yeah. That like they can't really distinguish it anymore. It's like they're gonna hear it and they're gonna think that's Emanuela. Yeah. And I mean the sound quality back then, right? Yeah. It can't be great either. Um, yeah, okay. Well, it's it's still mind-blowing to me that they published this whole audio thing. But also interesting that they changed it. Exactly. But is Cause... this person reliable? Why? The one who came forward It seems saying... to be. Because he's the one that found it and listened to it. Yeah. And he's, like, a member, uh, he was an agent of this, like, investigation division. Mm. So I think he was, like, involved in the investigation. But what's the point of changing it? Like, what That's difference the question. does it make? It speaks of conspiracy. Yes, but what was in the first tape that they had to hide? The exactly. voices of the men? Who knows? Okay. I mean, that that was one of the main differences, right? The first one contained the voices. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, the, and it was longer. So there was maybe more um, sort of hints that could have, like, or more pieces of evidence that could have been gained from it. Okay. But the first bits where they talk about their demands was the same. Yes. Okay. All right, continue, please. <laughs> I feel like we're going to have to, in the end, do like a summary or at least next episode. These well, were the definitely main next episode. points. Yeah, that are questionable or, you know, point to conspiracies. Okay. So the request was for a telephone line to be installed mm -hmm. to this, like, cardinal, right? Yeah. So this was installed on July 18th. Okay. So it was one day after this audio cassette was found. That was fast, okay. Yes. A couple of days after that, in another phone call, the American asked Emanuela's uncle to make the message on the tape public. 
So there's that publishing、oh. thing. Okay, so it was published after they made the request. Yes. Okay. Oh, I don't. Did you just hear my stomach? No. <laughs> I wonder if I'll be able to hear it in the recording. That was really freaking loud. <laughs> Holy crap! I need to eat. <laughs> yeah. Did you not eat anything yet? Um. It's like three o'clock. Raffaello.、Right? Raffaello doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> like one. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, Julia. Next time we record, you eat first. You eat. You eat. Yes. It's okay. You eat. Sorry, that's um. That's. Another one of Julia's dad jokes memes that we nobody else knows. No, it's it's a meme, but it's not a dad joke meme. <laughs> but for those, I don't know. Does everybody know what Raffaello is? Because if you don't, you're missing out. Maybe just Europeans know it. So, Raffaello is sort of this coconut almond truffle.、Mm. Um, from Ferrero, right? Like, it's from Ferrero Rocher. Like,、mm. it's from the people that also. Make Ferrero Rocher, which people might know more, or Nutella, or the Kinder stuff. It's all Ferrero. It's all Ferrero,、mm. and it's basically so it's a wafer that's filled with a white milk cream and like white blanched almonds, and then surrounded by like a layer of like coconut flakes. And it's yeah, well,、delicious. it's not really my thing. So, <laughs> I you know what I love. What? Like I like Raffaello, but you know what I like more? What? Giotto. Yes, Giotto is so much more superior. I、Giotto、wholeheartedly agree. I mean, it's both Ferrero,、yeah. right? Everything's Ferrero. It's but, all、um, Ferrero. But yeah, because I'm not that into the coconut flakes and the almondy stuff, because it reminds me of marzipan a bit. But Giotto,、oh. amazing.、Mwah. Giotto is. <laughs> Amazing. So, for those who don't know and are missing out on life, so Giotto is also like a waiver,、uh, a、mm. wafer. Sorry, a wafer with like hazelnut pieces with a milk hazelnut cream filling, and it's amazing. It's a tiny ball of happiness. Truly, Ferrero does everything right. Yeah, except for make healthy things, but I I don't want to like know anything about. I I feel like if you actually looked into a company, you'd be like, oh god, now I can't support them anymore. So I'm gonna、yeah. remain willfully ignorant. Yeah, probably. I just a good I idea. love the things they put out onto the market. Who cares about、yeah. healthy foods when you have <laughs> Ferrero? Yeah. Okay. On August fourth, nineteen eighty-three, so roughly two weeks after this cassette tape,、hmm. ANSA headquarters received a new ultimatum and a renewal of the request for Ali Aja's release. This message bore the signature of until then like unknown group. Called the Anti-Christian Turkish Liberation Front, or Turkesh for short.、Um, so, although Turkesh was never able to provide any like concrete evidence that they had Emanuela, 
they were able to reveal many details and like particularities about this like the girl's private life which this i find so disturbing like what she had okay not this specifically but in, ju- in just a second so for example like what she'd done in the last few days before she disappeared the name of some of her friends and here's the disturbing part the number of molds on her back oh does it what does her family even know yeah. how many moles she has in her back? That's the thing. First of what? all, that speaks of like the, like some very uncomfortable like possibilities. Like that, like who knows what they're doing to her? Like hopefully she's not being assaulted because why else would they look at the num- like how they would they just like pull up her shirt and like count the number of moles on her I back? I mean, they Doubt could, it. but like still, that's just so weird. What are they like, trying it's to... weird, it's kind what? of disturbing, and also, like, who knows how many moles their, like, kid has on the back, on their back. Yeah. Like, yeah. who knows how many they have on their own back. Like, that's, could be just any random number. It's... Yeah. It doesn't okay. make any sense as, like, evidence. Yeah. In the same press release, they... Also mentioned Mirella Gregori, who was another girl of Emanuela's age who had disappeared in Rome on May 7th, 1983. So only 40 days before Emanuela. And from then on, these two cases, Mirella and Emanuela, were sort of connected or associated in investigations and in public opinion because they're just too similar. Wait, so what do we know about that case? Well, I was gonna maybe keep that for... Next episode. Next episode. Okay. okay. Or if the theories run long, maybe like my next case. We'll see. Mm, Okay. But I was gonna see if we can fit it into next episode. All right. Okay. So this was in August, yes? So... Back mm-hmm. in July, the former Secret Service, the SISDE, had arranged that the Orlandi families and also that of like Mirella Gregoris, uh, that they relied on the legal assistance of a lawyer named Gennaro Egidio, who had like a lot of experience with like international cases. And they'd set it up so that the calls from these alleged kidnappers didn't go to like the Orlandi family house but to Egidio's law firm which I think is so smart because it saves the parents like so much trauma and stress I mean I wonder how many calls they got per day gosh I can't even imagine honestly I wonder how whether they even considered changing their phone number because they would feel like oh what if we miss a vital call so they keep the number and keep going to it when it rings but then most of the time it's just random people saying useless things, right? So, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Yeah, so I think that was a really good move mm. on the part of the investigators. And in the phone calls with L'Americano, Gennaro Egidio tried to establish, like tried to sort of negotiate for the release of the two girls or at least to obtain sort of proof of life of them like Mm. real like steadfast proof of life nothing like just 
recording something that could be have been taken beforehand and like mm. yeah but no real hard evidence was ever provided by l'americano let me just get this straight mm-hmm. um they first called you know with that weird publishing tape thing they wanted to establish yeah. like a line with the cardinal mm-hmm. they got that Mm-hmm. And they didn't make any more requests. No. And other than the release for Ali Aja. Yeah, but like they need to make some plans about that, right? Like it has to be by this day release this person or something like that, and not just. It oh, had originally been, like it had originally been the twentieth of July, but since yeah. we're in the beginning of August now, like that's I guess why they renewed it. Okay, and instead of calling the cardinal now, they're calling the lawyer. So I don't really I th- know about the like cardinal mm. side of things. I think that kind of comes up next episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing, they didn't call the lawyer, right? So that's because the basically yeah, the yeah. calls to the Orlandi family were forwarded to the yeah like no, lawyer's I'm just... office confused because i don't think the american didn't he just always reach out to other places and not the family but this was back in july so the renewal like this sort of press release with the renewal for the request of the ali aja's release this was in august but this thing with like the lawyer negotiating everything that was in july still that was back in july so before the it's basically like before the phone line was set up with the cardinal okay i th- think i kind of like didn't put that in the correct place in the timeline yeah that's fine okay so basically <laughs> either way is there anything that happens after that though like do they ever you know at what point does the communication stop Basically, it's a lot of back and forth. It's a lot of, like, more calls, mm. more sort of demands, making, like, appeals for the release. Yeah. Phone calls, like, sort of alternating between being from the American and with from the Turkish. Mm. But, it like, it didn't seem like they were working together. So, basically, there is a total of 16 calls from the American yeah and seven from the turkish mm-hmm. between like august 1983 and november 1985 yeah okay no evidence actually was ever produced that showed that emanuela was alive or that she was actually a hostage of the gray wolves or the turkish Okay, except for the fact that they had these photocopies of her student ID mm-hmm. and that receipt. Well, wait, was that the Turkish? Wasn't that or the was American? That? I think that was the. Yeah, wait a second. Yeah, that was the Gray Wolf, so that was mm-hmm. the American. Wait, who did the Turkish want? What did they want again? <laughs> they also wanted the release <laughs> of the same dude same aja yeah. ali aja who said mehmet ali aja yeah okay 
Okay, so basically there was a lot of back and forth, but nothing was ever reached. They never produced any proof of sign of life of both girls. Yeah. And then when do you know when the last communication was? November 27th, 1985. Last statement made by the Turkish Front that contained 35 more details on Emanuela's life and mm -hmm. nothing since then. Okay. They just stopped reaching out. They just ghosted everybody else. Basically, they ghosted, yeah. And then there's no more developments since then, and they've been missing and no new evidence. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different theories that are explored with mm. things that kind of maybe take off, but then don't. And then, so the thing is that the first investigation into Emanuela's disappearance was closed on uh, December 19th, 1997, after mm. 14 years of investigations, because there was just a lack of new elements to the investigation. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, well, it's the dismissal of the first investigation, meaning that it was reopened and, like, that there were other investigations after that. Okay. But. All right. But basically, as far as, next time. you know, with the um, supposed kidnappers, mm -hmm. all communication ended in 85, which was two years after the disappearance. Yeah. So... What's interesting, so 13 years after the first investigation was closed, mm. in 2010, Pietro Orlandi, so Emanuela's brother, actually had a conversation with Mehmet Ali Aja, mm. where the former theory, uh, where the former terrorist hypothesized the kidnapping on behalf of the Vatican. We'll get into it. Okay. But... So that's a little teaser so, for next episode. Yes. And that's fascinating. So you the brother <laughs> spoke with him. Okay. It's so weird. And actually, I think Ali Aja is like free now. Right. I think he's out and about. Okay. Wow. Okay. But here, so just a little like tidbit, which mm. I find very interesting. Um, before I let you go, is okay. that Ali Aja reassured Pietro that Emanuela is alive and she will return home soon. And according well. to him, she now lives secluded in a convent in France or Switzerland. She will return home. And when was this? This was in 2010. Okay. And so all these years, like since 1983, when he first said like, wait, I don't have anything to do with this. Ali mm -hmm. Aja has, like, stuck to this, like, his statement that Emanuela was kidnapped in an internal Vatican plot, mm. even though he has made very, like, sort of confusing and not contradicting statements. But he is basically, that has been, like, the main storyline that he has maintained. Mm-hmm. He has often said that the kidnapping was connected or would be connected to the third secret of Fatima. And okay. that without understanding that? the third secret, you will never understand the mystery of the Orlandi case. Wait, what? He what, what? also <laughs> believes that. Yeah, it's so weird. Like you're talking in riddles now. <laughs> What's going on? I, yes. 
So he also believe is um has also always believed that Manuela is currently still alive and that quote no harm has been done to her end quote adding that quote if the Vatican wanted her Emanuela she would return home tomorrow end quote he tomorrow. sort of reiterated okay. this position in a television program in t- like December 2022 oh wow that's very recent okay yeah I mean this so, is so mind-boggling yeah that's why I said I want to leave you with question marks <laughs> okay well I guess we'll just have to go through some of the main facts next episode again just like not the main facts yeah. but you know the suspicious points that would lead to conspiracy theories mm-hmm. but basically Emanuela disappeared and never been found mm-hmm. for 40 plus years now 40 yeah okay well like so 40 this year exactly oh 40 this year so, okay oh, yeah because yeah, it's 1983 yeah okay got it so yeah next time i want to go into like you said sort of the other theories and i want to maybe kind of go into what the gray wolves are and the turkesh mm-hmm. if i can find anything on that maybe like whatever the heck the third secret of fatima is and yeah, yeah if you we really have time depending <laughs> you really i, added I threw in a bunch of end. really yeah i was like what was going shit. yeah yes just that okay. statement without understanding the third secret you will never understand the mystery of the case now i really want to know what the third secret is yeah, so I want to go into those and depending on how long it all takes, maybe or maybe not go into Mirella Gregori. Okay. All right. Okay. I mean, this is the first episode we had where it's still very confusing in the end. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, the the Nepalese massacre was similar in the sense that we don't have any answers. Well, unless you believe the yes. official version, of course. Um, which oh, okay. I don't, but yeah. Shh, don't, yeah. don't tell anybody. But the thing is, yeah, with this case, you don't even have a body, so everything's possible. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you want me to just not let, look into anything until next episode? So how about you tell us next time, what are the gray wolves? What are the Turkish? And then Ooh, I have homework. I'll, <laughs> uh, and I'll focus on the theories. Okay. And I, I, since this interested you so much, I want to tell you what the third secret of Fatima is. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, it really is a big hint to solving the case. I mean, potentially. I don't know if it is, but since you're so intrigued by it, I want to tell yeah, you. Yeah, I'll do the homework <laughs> on the Grey Wolf and the Fatesh. Oh, no, not the Fatesh. Wait, Turkish. Ta- Turkish. Turkish. And then um, to give you some time to do the third eye of Fatima. Third hand. Third hand. <laughs> okay. Wait, was it even? This no, case, third secret. This third sto- secret. <laughs> this story was so... There's so many facts and new terms and all the Italian words and um And so many different, like, sort of different 
groups and conspiracies and yeah i mean we haven't even gotten to that right um yeah well a little bit but only okay well that I mean, first little bit to get you sort of interested uh, curious well, it's still um i think we can't forget though that the family is still but yeah, i guess before yeah. we end the episode we should just still consider or at least acknowledge that the family mm-hmm. for 40 mm-hmm. years now has been i guess like you think about this every second right yeah. every second you're awake it's and it's so amazing you. because i mean i've mentioned pietro a couple of times mm-hmm. and so like i said that this year in the summer on the anniversary like this kind of came into the public eye again and like literally this year still pietro has like made statements and um, yeah like there's new information this year and there's still he's a father of his own now he i think i saw something about him having six kids Mm. and i think this is kind of like really heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time but um he never like if his kids need to be picked up from something if they ask like hey can you give me a ride can Mm. like can you give me a ride he always says yes he never yeah i mean doesn't after what happened yeah like he must have felt so guilty even though it wasn't his fault of course but oh my gosh yeah yeah which no, it's awful. like i said it's heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time yeah yeah i mean so, even if they like i feel like if they find a body at least they know what happened at least like I don't know it's awful but at least you have some kind of knowledge and Mm -hmm. it's not just completely unknown and yeah if you had a body you might know if she's still like because you think every time is she still suffering is she still somewhere trying to get home but cannot or did it end quickly and she didn't have to suffer or I don't know either way it's shit and awful but it's all shit yeah but it's still just so commendable that like they're still pushing and pushing yeah yeah of course okay well this has been long enough so um we'll talk about the other i suppose aspects of this case next Mm -hmm. episode next week in the in between and thank you for preparing this case (laughs) you're welcome and yeah yeah we'll get back to it next week yeah i hope i um got all your curiosities sort of going and yeah well i hope you'll join us again next monday for not the conclusion of this case because there really isn't it's still an open-ended question mark but um yeah I don't but know more what you info. want to call it. Yeah. Just the rest of what's known about this case and the different theories. Mm. And what the heck is the third secret of Fatima? And yes. is it important at all? Yeah. I also look into the... Uh, look into... Uh, G... Uh, oh, wait. What's his name again? Ali Aji. 
Mehmed Ali Aja. Aja. Okay. I'll um, send you the spelling because it's not what you think it is. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So well, thanks for tuning in, guys. Yes. Thank you, and see you guys next week. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.